Hi. Hey. What's going on? Not too much. Not too much. I don't know. Just thinking about doing. I was thinking about how people can level up their training. Point. Good point. You know, know, we're talking about the customization of our training programs designed to make your team see its full potential. It's all about delivering that experience, not just the plain old training. We're going to make it engaging, hands on and not boring. You could just ask the people that we're teaching today. Yeah, we we actually got I, I oh I wish I had had it out. They were actually saying it was some of the best instructors uh, and the best training that they had received. And we had probably six of our instructors up there over the course of the past month. So uh, our instructors are gauging. Uh, we have partnerships with uh, companies that uh, give us equipment that is top of the line that we use in our classes. So it is the most realistic, most up to date. If you're looking to transform your team's capacity. Don't miss out on training with us. It is an absolute journey of both professional and personal growth. Yes. So if you're looking to game up, then go to the slash hire us and reserve your spot and start your transformational training experience today. Speaking of that, we are going places like yes. things are happening. We are, tr- we are not only transforming training, but we're transforming the world. Yes. One city so. at a time. <laughs> and we're going to start that by destroying more batteries out in California. We are. We are going to do that. Uh, that is coming up very soon. February 20th, if memory serves, uh, of 2024. Um, a lot of stuff going to be the next one, version two. Um, Video is going to be taken, uh, have to be aggregated. It's going to take a little while to edit those and put them together, but uh, you'll be the first to see it. We're going to be doing a live show like we did last time with the all the people involved, and we'll have videos and uh, chit-chats and what happened. But uh, tonight is the after-action report with our friend and uh, guest, Rick Emery. Yes, if you're listening to this, it has already happened, and yes. it was a absolutely phenomenal show. Uh, sure. It was probably one of my favorites. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, go back and, and listen to it. Uh, the next recording is going to be March 6th at 1930. Uh, do we have a guest for that one yet? I think it's Phil McArdle Ooh. of Hazmat 1 FDNY fame. He is is by far one of my uh, most favorite people from the past to talk to. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. live format free. Come on in, break their chops, ask the questions. This is your opportunity now to talk to the dinosaurs before they fossilize. Oh, okay. Well, uh, (laughs) hold on, can I do that? There you go. (laughs) I got an HR Brian for that. That's it. I can't believe I got an HR Brian <laughs> for that. <laughs> um, conferences, New York State, February 16th and to the 18th. I'll see you guys up there. Wommer, which is the Wisconsin, New England, Omra, Michigan, Cold Zone, South Carolina, Oklahoma, Baltimore. That's it for right now. That's only till June. Omra, excited for Omra. We're going to be doing some yeah. big things at Omra. We're, we've partnered up with them to to, to try to uh, help them expand the uh, the conference a little bit, bring some fun things, uh, some excitement, bring a little of that uh, you know USA attitude up there, eh? <laughs> I love it. So we are continuing down this rabbit hole on episode uh, part four of five because we had 10 total so this will be number seven and eight yep. of our fallacies and hopefully you guys i've been getting good feedback about it 
Well, I, I like this next one because uh, I don't think I ever had any of it because I completely and utterly had usually disdain for, 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 for people of authority above me. So what am I talking about, Bob? The authority bias. Mm. Yes. So <laughs> the authority bias leads to a preference for authority opinions over other information sources. And this would impact critical thinking and decision making. Um, usually you'll see like, and this is one of the reasons we've, we've mentioned this, we're in the hazmat huddle where we're formulating, you know, our plan and our PPE and having a discussion. We kind of prohibit chiefs from being in this side here because automatically yes. guys defer to, well, these guys got a, you know, a he's star got, on a gotta, leaf or he's got to be a chief, but it, it goes more than just the, that authority of like chief and officer. You can also have authority commanded by a senior member ah. where, you know, yeah. so it's, there's a couple of different ways that you can look at this, but we, we see this in the, in the real world with things like uh, medical doctors, right? Um, you know, you, you, you're always getting second opinions and, and things like that. Absolutely. But there is a bias towards, and maybe doctors is a little bit bad of an example because the doctors actually come with years of medical training to be able to give their opinions. Um, I think the authority basis is kind of along the lines of, well, just because they're a chief, they would know the answer when in fact, most chiefs and incident commanders have very little hazmat training. So it would, it would almost be like a, uh, you know, uh, 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 a administrator of a hospital giving medical advice and you believing that over the doctor, right. that, that would be right. kind of more, more along the lines of, uh, of what the authority bias would look like. Or even educational. Right where, and this is kind of less likely today with the invention of uh, the Googler. Uh, but you know, a student might accept the teachers from an education's um, from, from the educator's point of view as like it's absolute truths without critical analysis. Where now, if you'll see it as an instructor, you'll be like, "Well, it's pie," and they're like. And they go right into the phone and they're like, I'm like, oh, they're going to catch me on that one. We yeah. see this in, in consumer products, right, where shoppers often trust the celebrity endorsements of the products uh, overlooking the product merit or your personal needs. Capcom, That's... nothing sounds safer. <laughs> That's, that just reminded me of um, what was that? Um, uh, Wayne's World, where he's like, yes. no, he's, he's like, like try and Pepsi. They bring across all the products over and over again. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> Big so, golf by Seven yeah. Eleven. <laughs> so mitigation. When we have this whole operation going, we're going to give you the um, the ways to check it, to push yes. back on it, to to improve yourself, to do it. And one of them, and this is an uncomfortable one is to have skepticism, you know, and this comes from that holistic growth of a team, including the supervisors and chiefs and the guys that are in charge of it, is that you have to almost encourage or promote the questioning of authority in the professional environment. And that's an important thing in the professional environment. I'm not questioning you back in the firehouse and you're not questioning what I'm making for the meal, but when we're on the scene and we're deciding on PPE or tactics or something like that, you know, that's something that should be like, all right, the bars Celebrated. are off. 
Yeah, yeah it should be celebrated, right? You should you should have somebody question you, and you should be like, you know what, man? I'm proud of you for stepping yes. up and, and questioning me. Like that was a. I liked the thought process. I liked where you were going with that. You're wrong because you're arguing with me, but you're still. I like where you're going with it. Um, yeah. Independent research can absolutely help push this back, right? Because the more you learn things yourself, the easier it is to then have that skepticism and to push back. And you also kind of develop a sense of, I don't want to say ego because ego is often taken as a negative thing, but you often develop a self-confidence once Mm -hmm. you really start to understand and dive into information, especially when you start learning that information beyond the scope of what you normally would. I will. I will. I'm not pushing back on this. I'm, I'm going to say a lot of times we'll pass around notes. Right. And, and, and let's say I made I, I read the book and I wrote my notes and Mike comes up and goes, hey, you got the notes on that meter? And I go, yeah, yeah. those things are already biased or or filtered through my head. Mm-hmm. And so Mike might only get like 50% of the 50%. And so if you're doing your independent research, seriously, go to the source and pull it back into your head. Yeah. Yeah. And that is so important for other reasons as well. Like just not trusting people. <laughs> like I have right. been burnt so many times as an instructor in front of the classroom by giving out information that I didn't independently I verify myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that goes to the next one is source diversification. Right. Mm-hmm. Is is going to many different places. Just don't go to Bob's, you know, notepad. You know, oh, I'm going to go to Bob's notepad and Andre's notepad and Steve's notepad because they all pulled. They all read that book or maybe they did or didn't, but they all pulled different things out. And that variance in educational is going to be in, invaluable. Yeah. A lot of. A lot of big words there. Well, well, uh, understanding all of these biases, the education of it, the awareness of it, you start to be able to point it out and you start to be able to go, hey, wait a second. No, no, no. That that's a fallacy. That's a fallacy. The more you can do that, the more you'll be able to start identifying it as and when it happens. And trust me, it will drive your significant others batshit crazy. <laughs> um, there should also be checks and balances implementing a review system in organizations to evaluate decisions made by those authority figures. And we do a whole class. If you're lucky enough to see it on the, on the circuit, we don't do it very often uh, because it causes a lot of consternation. We'll say in, um, in authority figures that are in a crowd, but one of them is called um, chief. We're going to crash. Yeah. The chief, we're going to crash. And if you get a chance, if we're on the circuit and or you can push us to do it, uh, it is an interesting one because we go through the heuristics of of pushing back on authority, um, doing a parallel with uh, the airline industry. Yeah, who was interesting. notorious for a very long time in this authority bias. Like, you are the captain. You may not even, like, disagree. Like, if they say nosedive, you better be pushing all the way down type of a, uh, of right. a scenario. Uh, open communication. Right? This is a common thing among a lot of the biases. And these biases can be pushed back against with cultivating uh, uh, an atmosphere in your workplace in which feedback is encouraged. It's encouraged. It's encouraged across all different, both horizontally among your your peers, but also also upwards and downwards between subordinates and uh, and those with the authority. We've said this on many of them, but I, I I did get one offline question about critical thinking. We say it a lot. 
But in my mind, and I'd like to hear what you think about it too, is critical thinking in my mind is I make a decision and every once in a while, when that is, I have no idea, is I stop and I critique it internally. Mm-hmm. And if it still passes muster, I continue with the thought and then I'll stop and critique it and then I'll move forward. So critical thinking in my mind is periodic safety checks. If I'm still on the right track, I just don't go to La La Land and be like, oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah. Critical thinking happens when you know that you don't know what you don't know. I like and it. once you can hit that point, you can realize that I need to, like you said, those safety stuff. Why is Bob doing a safety stop? Well, Bob's, Bob's doing a safety stop because he realizes that there's a lot of information out there that he doesn't know. He knows mm-hmm. that he doesn't know what he doesn't know, meaning he's completely in the dark and he won't even know that he's missing something because he doesn't know to not to know. So right. by by pausing periodically and going back and doing that, you are recognizing recognizing that you know that you don't know what you don't know and you're observing for that that not knowing you're observing for things that are beyond your scope of recognition because you don't have knowledge about it yet love it um leadership by example if you are a person of authority one of the things you can do is recognize that this exists among your subordinates and turn around and make a conscious effort to uh give them a space to be able to to be insubordinate for lack of better words like there are some very very like you will listen to everything i say type of chiefs and officers out there they don't give any room for somebody to push back. They don't give any room for somebody to be like, hey, boss, I don't think that's really the best way to go forward. So as somebody in an authority figure, if you've got either bars or leafs or trumpets or whatever you guys use, um, try to encourage people to criticize you. Um, push back. Do it in drill. You're doing a drill. Purposefully say something wrong. And see if anybody pushes back and then be like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? Like, you, did you, <laughs> are, you just, wrong. <laughs> are you just blindly listening to everything I say? Like, do you do this with other officers? Because what I would want to recognize as an officer is that my other officers around me are, are, are total idiots. So if you're just blindly listening to me. And I may be right all the time, but if you're blindly listening to me, you're also blindly listening to them. So I don't want you doing that. Like push back, teach them to push back. It's a good thing. Yeah. Even even have a balanced decision process, right, which is going to be as a boss encouraging multiple perspectives in the decision making. Like don't, you know. Don't like, oh, well, I like, I just, I, I gel well with Mike. So I'm just going to listen to whatever the hell Mike says. You know, encourage multiple perspectives. And this takes practice. This takes um, evolutions. This takes practice on two ends that this, the silent, this, the silence, Jesus Christ, this deci- balanced decision making. I don't know why that doesn't want to come out of my mouth. That's balanced decision making, right? It comes in twofold. One, you have to be willing to get different opinions, like pull from different opinions, but also as somebody who's getting the their opinion taken, right? So somebody comes to me and gets and, and I give them my opinion. 
That's it. I can't be butthurt if they don't take my opinion. I can't go around and suddenly be all pissy. Oh, he asked for my opinion, but then he never takes it. Like, what the F's going on? You can't be that dude. You got to be okay with the fact of knowing that your job ended at your giving your opinion. And then that's it. it. Whatever they do with it, they do with it. It has nothing to do personally. It doesn't mean that you were wrong. It doesn't mean that you were right. Your opinion got taken in. It got taken into account. And for whatever reason, it didn't fit a bigger picture that you may not have understanding about. And if you become one of these guys that are like, oh, this is bullshit, then you're going to be left out of that balanced decision process. And now you're part of the problem. Next one, the availability heuristic. That's a big what? word. That is, that is a very uh, daunting <laughs> word. Uh, but here it is. It's a mental shortcut. It's a mental shortcut where decision-making is influenced by easily recalled examples leading to skewed perceptions of probability and frequency. Mm. Now, the... This is, uh, we, I, I don't remember if it was one or two weeks ago, but we were going into the normalization of deviance, and it, it kind of feels a little bit like that. Right. Yeah, it, it's, using, it's using a skewed understanding of probability or somebody skewing numbers for you, right? So, perfect example. Uh, the crime has gone up 500% since last year. Right. Okay. yeah, well, that may sound really scary, but unless you put real numbers to it, unless you you actually examine where the statistics are coming from, what it is, it may not be that scary. I could live in a small town and crime went from once last year to five. And that's a 500 per fold. You know, that's a 500 percent increase. So you have to look at numbers and percentages. You you have to if you are finding a percentage increase, you have to go, well, what are the real numbers? And if you're looking at real numbers, you have to go, well, what is the percentage increase? And you have to kind of balance those two out and put context around stuff before you come to a decision about it. Right. What are some other examples? disaster preparedness where uh you know oh we had this big superstorm and so everybody's like oh i you know i have to prepare for this thing but it could have been a once in a century type thing right. and now because it's fresh in your mind you're either over preparing for it or under preparing for it, whatever it might be but this is one of those things where like the um the, the it's a it's a fresh wound yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, because you feel like this just happened. Oh my God, I gotta without realizing. God, hey, that that was a once in every hundred year flood. So yeah. if we want to put this in terms of 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 hazmat, right? Think about it like this: uh, hazmat is low probability, high or or low frequency, high risk. Right. right. So if. Uh, Steve Kalarchak, one of our mm-hmm. phenomenal instructors and also a phenomenal technician in Hazmat One. We have a, a, a tool on the rig, the Betts valve. It never used in my career at all, except one time, which was the day after he got trained on it. He went out and there was a, an overturned 406 and he used it on the overturned 406. And they trained for that every day for the next four weeks afterwards 
it'll be 20 years before we use that again if you if you follow the probability <laughs> and statistics so you know like that would have been a, a a thinking a thought process of oh my god we're going to start using this all the time like we got to be prepared for the next time it happens yet right. re- not realizing that it is a low probability event and probably won't happen for a very long time uh, good good i was gonna I was, say i was gonna say Oh, yeah, you can do consumer. Good. Yeah, the, the consumers, you see this, you see this too, kind of like with the authority, the, 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 the uh, famous people or influencers pushing a product. Well, if, if they're using it, then, then it must be good. Like the, 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 the probability of me being able to have the same effect on it is super high because Joe Schmo is now using it. Right. So let's get into some counteracting strategies, ways to fight this thing is... Go to the statistical data. You know, like Mike just said, like how many times do you put on the bets valve? And then, you know, it happens once and everybody's talking about it for four weeks. You can go back over thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of incidents and it happened once. Yeah. Like there was one, and I'll tell you a quick anecdotal story, is that everybody was cons- like absolutely convinced that the, um, the Dragon pump, which is a Venturi type pump, would go on fire if we use gasoline. Right, because it would just put out so much vapors. And so what do we do? We, we put flares in there and everything. And so they wouldn't believe it. Even though we were putting flares out in the exhaust, we went to Joe Iovino, who is the senior dude, and he's probably been in hazmat for like 30 years. And yep, we said, Joe, how many times have you ever seen it go? And he goes, zero. Never. I'm like, so statistically speaking, right. there's a 0% chance of that. <laughs> right. Because you have the theoretical, right? All right. So this is something we, we talk about in, in the class all the time. We talk about two worlds. When we respond in hazmat, we respond into two worlds. We respond in a theoretical world, and then we respond to reality. And we develop our theoretical understanding of what's happening through all of our research, right? Uh, what is what is this product going to do? How is it going to behave? I'm going to predict the behavior. Right. We have the the behavior models that we predict off of. And then we walk onto scene. We switch from theoretical world to reality. What is my reality? What are my meters reading? Right. So do do the two match up? Well, we need to do that here. Right. Is the is my theoretical the probability is it matching reality and you could turn around all you want and like bob said right we have this it's going to blow up it's going to blow up it's going to blow up uh, but you're missing a variable because in reality it's it's never happened right so that's what you do and that's where you're taking the theoretical data versus versus the anecdotal data and you're putting them together and comparing the two uh, and in that process, you're seeking a wide range of sources. You're taking things from different points of views. You're understanding that that even the most rigorous scientific information has a bias to it. We're starting to see this when we're we're starting to take a deeper dive as a society into like the world of pharmacology research. And we're starting to see that a lot of data is biased and skewed because there are points of views that are trying to be pushed. There are ideas that are trying to be pulled out of it. So by seeking different sources of information, we can view the topic from different points of views and we can pull out the numbers we want and we can take and get an actual picture of what's happening. We've said this before about the critical thinking, but and you can understand that as well. But there's another way of doing this, like the structured decision making tools, Mike. 
Ooh, we, we if you are running a business ever, you have done something like a SWOT, which is a comprehensive analysis. I remember doing the SWATs for the podcast. I can't yep. tell you for the life of me what SWAT stood for. It was strategies, weakness, Op- opportunities over time. Over time? <laughs> Ah, I don't know. I, I don't remember know. doing. I remember we sat down for like weeks and we did these yeah, swats to try to figure out how we were going to move forward with the business. But that is a structured decision making tool. It takes the it takes the 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 biases out of this because mm-hmm. it's literally asking you for specific questions. And then when you sit down and you look at the answers to the specific questions, you can no longer. Uh, you know, turn away from the bias in your head or turn towards the bias in your head because the facts are sitting there right in front of you. Right. Another one, and we've said this before, is just being aware of it. Educate yourself on the... The the fact that you're just listening to this is educating yourself and it's going to promote some conscious adjustments. Yeah. Uh, look at the long term numbers. Look at look at the things, look at the facts that matter for the hazmat point of view. Right. The conversation happens all the time. We get phone calls all the time. Hey, we we want you guys to come in and, and run our um, refresher program. Mm-hmm. OK, great. What do you what do you want to train on? And we are constantly doing this balance where we turn around and we go, well, tell me, like, what runs through your area? Like, what are the products that are running through? Okay, great. That's your possibility. Now tell me what you're actually going on. A great example of this, if you go back way, way back into, into some episodes, Bob had dug through the numbers for New York City oh, and yeah. found out through the tier two reporting that the most highest probability chemical that Hazmat One was going to be dealing with based upon the numbers was going to be hydrofluoric acid. Well, that was a theoretical conclusion, and we laughed about it going, you know, in all these years, I don't think we've ever been on a actual hydrofluoric acid run. So it's it's so what are we going to train on? If we just looked at the numbers, we would be training on hydrofluoric acid runs every day. Like if we just looked at the theory, you know, the, the how much is in it, where it is, how many different businesses have it. That's what we would be training on. But we had to compare that with the reality of the fact that we've never gone on one. So we're missing information that's bringing us to the conclusion that this is a high valued priority. And I think we can we can wrap it up with this is like is is get that expert consultation like we got that out of the book from, you know, the mayor's office. They don't know what they're not speaking my language. And so. Maybe going, as Mike said, going and getting uh, what they call a commodity report. What comes through on the rail on your street? Like we I remember when I was in the volunteers, we uh, we we said in one of the classes, do you even know what comes through your district? And one of the kids, he was he was a little bit more of a dim bulb. He's like, no. And so they said, well, I just sit on the corner and watch. So he went out there and like it was in the summer. He sat there with a little chair and an umbrella and a drink. And he wrote down every placard that went down the turnpike. And he came back with hundreds and hundreds of shots. And we're like, holy crap, it's wow. going through. The-. He did a commodity report on the by himself. Yeah, just that's all it takes. So, yeah, this this. Get the good information. We'll get it right from the tap. Right from the horse. 